0: What's going on, guys? Zach here. Before we dive into this episode with Jeremy Clevenger, I want to point something out. The first time Jeremy was on this podcast, he was training for the event which he recently crushed. You know, He was training for Delaware Strongman. And in this episode, we're talking to him after he took first place at 105 kilograms at the 2021 Delaware Strongman event. How cool is it that we get to see these things happening live? How cool is it that we get to see these men go from these thoughts to action? We get to see them talking about things and then applying them. This speaks really well to ...towards today's sponsor, which is PeacefulFathers.com. Here, Anthony Migliorino is speaking about ways, writing about ways, and recording ways you can better connect with your children... ...and bring peace to your home. But it's not with the intent of making you a well-read or well-listened or well-watched man. The aim is to help you become a more connected father to your children. It's about taking the information and applying it. And Anthony is delivering it on the blog PeacefulFathers.com... ...as well as through his social media, at PeacefulFathers, on Twitter and Instagram in a manner in which whether you're divorced or married, whether your children are are toddlers or teenagers, it doesn't matter. He's giving you information you can take and you can apply today to improve the situation in which you are living and your children are living in. So let's not just listen to these things and think, oh, this is an interesting story, but rather let's listen to them in a way of how can I take this information and apply it to my life. Whether you're listening to Anthony and connecting with your children or diving to this episode and realizing that if you want to actualize your goals the way Jeremy did, You've got to plan it out, you've got to put it into action, and you've got to remain consistent. So support today's sponsor by going to PeacefulFathers.com or following Anthony on Twitter or Instagram at peacefulfathers. And now let's dive into this episode and listen to Jeremy break down how he went from idea to action to take it first place.
1: Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast. A place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here's your host, Zach Small, founder of TheFamilyAlpha.com and co-founder of of TheFraternityOfExcellence.com. Let's get to work.
0: Welcome back to another episode on The Family Alpha Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zachary Small, and today I am joined by repeat guest, Jeremy Clevenger. The difference between this episode and the last time I had Jeremy on is last time we were preparing for a strongman competition that was coming up. So if you want to hear about Jeremy's backstory and how he got into training, go check that one out. This one, though, we're post-event. And what I'm doing right now is I'm talking to the 2021 Delaware's Strongest Man at the 105 kilograms, Jeremy Clevenger. He went out. He won it. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Congratulations.
1: Zach, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on. How's, uh, How's things been with you?
0: Uh, It's been fantastic, brother, but I don't have a new trophy to add to my collection. So let's talk about it, dude. Last time we chatted, you know, you were preparing for this. You were training for it. You were in your cycles. How was it to win? You know, let's go over that, you know, to lock it in.
1: It was honestly, uh, it was a big relief to have the the competition over with. It was probably one of my longest um, prep cycles for a a strongman competition. So typically it's anywhere between 8 and 12 weeks. This one actually ended up being 15 weeks. Um, just because I really wanted to make sure that I brought my A game to it. I knew it was going to be a, a show where I'm competing against people that I've never competed against before. Cause I typically compete in the Midwest just cause it's closer to home. And I don't really have to fly or travel far, but this was a 13 hour drive um, to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And so I wanted to make sure that for everything that I was putting into it, that I was going to come out with first place for it. Um, so it was definitely a, a relief to get it all said and done, and, and obviously bring home the hardware. Um, not only that, but my training partner Tanner—he took third place. Um, and it literally came down to him weighing one pound heavier than the guy um, who took second place because they got like a different countback system. They were tied, then they'd do like tiebreakers, tiebreakers. They both won an event. The guy weighed 230 pounds. Tanner weighed 231, so they gave the other guy um, second place, but training with him for, for 15 weeks and honestly training at all for 15 weeks for one competition for a lot of people can get very monotonous because you have the same events that you got to train for. You get tired of doing the events, like your body just eventually about halfway point, your body just starts getting beat down and you're like, okay, can we just do this and get this shit over with? Um, But yeah, I mean, it it feels good to have it over with now. I've I've been off of training now for about a month. Um, My wife and I went to Florida for two weeks the week we got back, I was just kind of chilling, just getting back used to the flow of everything. And then after that, um, this is my first full week back in the training.
0: It has to feel good going to an event. You know, And I look forward to talking about the lead up to this. But, but right now, just focusing on the fact that you won it, dude. You know, when you look at uh, figure like physique competitions, if you win, you, it's very uh, subjective because you look around and everybody else around you is shredded you know, anybody that goes to that stage looks great. You know, when you go there, you know, everybody's strong, but for you to get first place at that competition, you were objectively the strongest individual to show up and to perform. And that objective measure, like nobody didn't prefer it that way. You hit the times, you hit the weights. Like those are tangible facts, black and white, which is the beauty of lifting weights is you can do it or you can't. How does that feel knowing in that moment, like, you have to feel like Hercules man. Like you have to feel like just a giant walking around. Like I crushed all of you and you're all strong as hell too.
1: Yeah. So it it felt pretty good. Um, I had the, I don't know if you want to call it the luxury or just for me putting in the work over the course of prep where i had hit every single weight, um, that I was going to be doing in in the competition. So now it was just a matter of, okay, how fast can I do it? Um, can I do it without fucking up at all? Or it's literally just gotta be a flawless performance. Um, and then there was one event, which is the Hercules hole where they it looks like they're trying to rip your body in half, um, that I did once or twice in training. Um, that's just an event that you can't really train for. Um, so being out there and competing against all these guys, I competed against 13 other guys. And I mean, there's guys that are built, they're five, six, 230 pounds. There's guys that are six two, 230 pounds. So you've got a wide variety of just body types. And so certain people are going to be good at certain things. Um the guy that I actually beat that ended up getting second, he had been competing since 2006. So I was nine years old when he started competing and he's been in the sport for that long. Um, So to be able to like actually show up and and put on a show for, for everybody um, was definitely a, it it was, I can't really explain how it felt because I had set myself up so good going into it. And I, expected nothing less than first place when I was going into it so like I showed up I got my award and stuff like that I was like okay I just showed up put in the work and and here it's done
0: you know and that's that mindset is something I want to talk about you know dive further into you know there's enough uh the attaboy so I guess we'll we'll stop congratulating you and stop talking about your success and strength and, and greatness of achieving you know and shout out to your wife you know supporting the entire time I saw the photos of you guys getting some relaxation an earned vacation for sure. So that's awesome. Let's get back to work though. And that's how can I help my listeners step their game up? So the last time you and I spoke, we had a great breakdown on your your methodology behind training, you know, what got you into it. Let's talk specifically about the strongman competition and training for performance and preparing yourself for a performance. And I think, you know, this will be a transferable skill. We're going to talk about strongman here, but for those listening, maybe you have a dance recital coming up. A singing performance, maybe you have a lifting performance, a physique competition, some sort of event you've got to prepare for. Jeremy's going to break down his way he prepared for this. Maybe there's some cues or some insights you can take away to apply to your situation. With that, Jeremy, so let's let's start at you deciding. Yes, I'm entering this competition. From there, what does it look like to get you to the point of standing on that top and holding that trophy?
1: So starting from the beginning, um, I actually decided that I was going to do this competition. Between three days and a week after I did my last one back in December, um, I got second place there, some countback stuff. So coming back into it, I was like, okay, well, I need a national bid for later this year so I can go chase after my pro card. And so I was like, okay, well, I got to find a competition, preferably one that I'm, I'm decently good at and have a chance at, but also I don't want it to be it's something in the Midwest, like I said, against people that I've competed against before um, or anything like that. So I want to get out there and challenge myself because that's one thing that a lot of people run into um when they compete or and they just compete locally so if you just compete locally against the same five people every time you're not going to know where you stand compared to people all across the country texas has some monsters the west coast has some monsters so does the east coast and honestly i know quite a few people over on the east coast who are just absolute freaks of nature and so i was like maybe i can go out there and compete against some of them and, and just see how it is so um, going into it, I knew that it was going to be a challenge one, because I knew nobody that I was competing against besides my training partner, which I'll go into that a little bit later. Um, cause it's really cool to have somebody that you're training with day in and day out and going through all the hell and the misery and the highs and lows with, and then you get to compete against him on that day and just see who shows up better. Um, especially when, when we're that close. So, um, getting set up for it was, um, it's hard to program for a strongman contest because you have so many different um, things where it could be, it could be a max deadlift like we did. And then it could be a yoke carry for time. So you're training your brute strength, but then you're also training your technique and stuff where, where it's like your cardio aspect of it. Of, of Okay. How long can I hold 700 pounds on my back, run down with it and run back without having my knees break. But at the same time, right after this, I got to do a Hercules hold. that's going to test my grip. And so now it, just totally taxes your body. So going through and setting everything up for that on paper um, is it's pretty, a pretty daunting challenge. Um, So what I like to do with that is I just plan it out three weeks at a time. I have my end goal and I kind of like reverse engineer it. So it's like, okay, I know what I need to be doing three weeks out. Here's what I'm going to do the first three weeks. And then from there, I just kind of build it together based on what my weaknesses are for me. My biggest weakness I would say going into it was my deadlift. Um, so I knew that I really needed to put a lot of emphasis on just training my posterior chain. And it was a, it was a different deadlift than what most people do. So um, one, you're pulling on an axle bar. So it has no give in the bar. Um, you're literally pulling on a solid piece of metal. Um, not only that, but it's from a different height than what you typically pull on. So I think if, if you deadlift from the floor, it's between like nine and 11 inches. But we were pulling from 15, which is just a little bit higher than mid shin so you don't really get much leg drive off the bottom. It's more of like an upper back and literally just like squeeze your glutes, block your hips through. I mean, just, it's like doing uh, like rack pulls. If I had to, to put it similar to something, but um, being able to program for that and know how your body feels on certain days and just throughout the, the week and knowing where you're, where you're going to feel beat down at in the training cycle is just a challenge in and of itself.
0: You know, when, what I like about that is whenever I have an appointment or anything like that, you know, let's say I have an appointment at nine in the morning, I start there. All right. I've got to be here at nine. Okay. It's 30 minutes away. So I've got to leave here by eight twenty-five. give myself that five minute window for traffic. Okay. That means I've got to have the kids up. We've got to be bre- our teeth brushed, all these things, breakfast done by eight, you know, and you, you sort of break it down backwards that way. And that's sort of how I've always prepared things. And I give myself that little window. It sounds like you did exactly that, but on the macro scale. So I've got to be here in, in six months. So three weeks from there, I've got to be there, three weeks from there, and all the way back to where you currently were. Do you think that your experience from the previous, where you took second, and then the one before that, where you took first, I believe it was 2019 Kentucky, You know, did those events prepare you for programming this one uh, the best?
1: A- absolutely. Um, the Kentucky one in specific, that was back in 2019. That was a very challenging one um, for me. I was competing against some, some of my other training partners. Um, And I knew some actual like really strong dudes that were down there. Um, So I knew I was going into it and it was a lot of events that weren't, that I wasn't good at. So I was like, okay, I've got to figure out how to, we had one that was like a sandbag toss over a bar. So I got to throw a 40 pound sandbag over a 15 foot bar. I got to figure out how to put that together. And that was honestly one of the more complicated ones um, that I have prepared for. Like I said, this, this event that I did um, in Delaware was uh, it was, A show that i was pretty good at a lot of the events i I had pretty good grip strength um my deadlift like i said was my only weak point but my upper back strong so i was able to pretty much just muscle my way through um through those but yeah definitely the preparing for harder competitions is going to make preparing for the ones that are aimed towards your strengths a little bit more um, definitely make those a lot easier
0: now, let's talk about the things that are a little less glamorous, but it's still an integral part of this planning process, which is family and work. So you're married. How are you balancing the, the training? And I'm not going to say the obsession, but honestly, if you're dedicated to your craft, there's an obsession to it. You know, with making sure you're eating right, making sure you're stretching right, uh, lifting. How are you balancing that with your lady?
1: So one of the things that I started implementing um, was waking up earlier. So that way I could get a majority of my work done in the morning. She likes to sleep in. Um, so I was getting up at like six, seven o'clock, getting all my client work done, getting anything done for social media that I needed to do for the day. So that way, once she got up, we could get ready, eat breakfast. We, she trains at the gym that I do. So we were able to go in, train at the same time. So it's not like offsetting schedules. And then from there for the rest of the day, it was pretty much just eat. Um, and I, I had the luxury of being self-employed, so I can kind of write my schedule how I want. but after I got done with the gym and, and got my food in me, it was pretty much do whatever um, for the rest of the day. So uh, we didn't really struggle um, when it came to that, but definitely finding balance was huge in that. Even if it means waking up another hour or two earlier to make sure that you get all your stuff done beforehand, just to keep all your priorities in line. Because like, I can't compete in strongman if I'm not working. Like, if I don't have any money, I can't afford to do. I can't afford my apartment. I can't afford. Um, To compete in the shows, I can't afford the equipment for the shows, the travel or anything like that. So um, keeping your priorities in line. And it's cool having her at the gym there with me, too, because she can shoot some videos for me. She trains um, by herself, too. So it's uh, it it worked out pretty well, at least for this competition. But that was one of the big things of of me going to or taking us to Florida afterwards was she went through 15 weeks of me not really going out to eat of me sticking to my meal plans cause I'm a very basic eater. Like I could eat the same five, six meals every day for the rest of my life and be totally fine where she likes to go out to restaurants and stuff like that. So I still prioritize our date nights on Friday nights, but outside of that, I was pretty regimented on my stuff. So I was like, you know what? You, we've been through this for 15 weeks. We'll take two weeks and get away um, just to, to recharge and everything.
0: Well, that's excellent to hear as well. You know, a lot of people, they, they achieve success, but the cost is, is rarely discussed and that cost is loss of connection with family loss of connection with friends you know they they can't balance it and while they achieve great things that the the payment was the sacrifice of the time with the family the time with you know loved ones and it seems like you have a balance there or at least you were intentional about it and and similar to to sort of what I do sometimes you have to go over that line you know sometimes it is too much work sometimes you are too focused as long as you're aware you're like I get that I'm giving a lot to this craft I'll come back you know, but for right now, for this situation, I've got to go, you know, all the way in. It seems like you were able to to balance that and make it a known fact like, hey, babe, yeah, it's hard now. We will have a vacation. You know, we will get back to this. You know, it's going to go back to our quote unquote normal routine. But for now, I've got to grind. And it's great to have a supporting spouse in that, which obviously makes things easier. You know, I don't think I need to explain it to you. But for those listening, when you have the supportive spouse, you don't have to worry about as much. You don't have to worry about the home. You don't have to worry about the finance. You don't have to worry about, oh, is she okay? Like things are handled when you're doing your business. But it's important you come back around and take care of that woman who's supporting you, or else she's not going to see the benefit of what she's doing. And eventually she'll stop. So good on you for balancing that. But that's the other part of this, you know, and that's less glamorous, which is work. So you're self employed. You're a personal trainer, correct? Yeah. All right. So did you have any issue balancing helping others achieve their feats and helping others focus on their task and keep your mind from, wandering off and thinking about what you had to do and your personal goals? Or were you able to compartmentalize that?
1: So for the most part, I was able to compartmentalize it just because I've been doing this for going on three years now. So I have quite a good,
0: you're a professional, you know, what am I doing? (laughs) Even asking this question? You're a pro I get it. You know, I shouldn't have brought it up.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, no, I, I totally get it. But being able to compartmentalize where like my Saturdays and Sundays are pretty much like my work, my heavy work days where I go through, I do all of my clients, um, workouts for the week. I go through new, their nutrition. We go through all of our calls. So my Saturdays and Sundays are pretty booked up, which allows me to free up that time on the week where I only have an hour or two of work to do Monday or, and Tuesday and obviously going on throughout the week. So that way the rest of the, the rest of the day, it's pretty much open to what, whatever life throws at me that day. I mean, some days we may go to Eagle Creek or some days we may just hang out at the house and, and go for a walk or something like that. But for the most part, I mean, it's been pretty it's pretty easy to compartmentalize that and especially working with clients because I have clients who compete also. So they have, obviously they have their needs that need to be met um, when it comes to communication with like, okay, what are we doing three or four days out from the competition and all that stuff. But the, the biggest thing for me was about two weeks before um, the competition, I went through and I did all of my clients' work for the next month. So I went through, did all of their programming, had it all written out because I like to write my programming in three or four week waves. So that way I'm able to do it all. They go through and then we come back and reassess and plan for the next one. So I did that knowing that I was two weeks out from competing and then I was going to be in Florida for two weeks. So I planned ahead, got all that shit done. So that way, okay, I'm two weeks out now. I'm, I'm able to just unplug, relax, recover, go compete, not have to talk to anybody, not have to communicate for at least that weekend. Then we get back on our calls on Monday they're set for the next two weeks while I'm in Florida.
0: You know, it sounds like you're very proactive instead of reactive with that. And you know, My wife, she says, so I'm a very like free spirited, take day by day. And my wife says, because I'm an Aquarius. So she's one of those astrology people. She's like, oh, you know, all Aquarius is you guys don't care. And I'm pretty carefree, dude. Like I'm very laid back, but there are times where you need to map things out. And I think that's a mistake many make. I'm glad you brought it up. When you know that your life is going to be busy even if you're, you're like me, very like whatever, not very regimented, you, you take the day as it comes. You know, as I said, there are times where you've got to flip that switch. There are times, especially when you're in competition mode, where you've got to get professional. And again, going back to your point or, or my point on you being a professional, you know, I don't want that to be lost in those listening. In this moment, if you're someone who's planning for an event, you need to act like a pro. You can't fly by the seat of your pants. If you're on competition day and your brain's worried that, like, oh shit, I never sent that email at work or I never took care of that person. Now you're distracted. Now your brain can't focus on the task at hand because you're dividing your attention because you didn't do what you had to do. You didn't take care of the things that you could have taken care of. So again, I think that that's an oft overlooked aspect of preparing is not just preparing yourself, but preparing all the others for your absence. And that just for most means getting ahead on the work, being proactive in the emails, the, the training, the programs. Um, whatever email, whatever you got to do for work, whatever projects are coming up, set yourself up for success. You know, and I think it sounds exactly like that's what you were doing. And with that, you know, at any point during this training process, were you afraid that COVID was going to shut it down?
1: For the most part, no. Um, I wasn't sure what the spectator um, thing would look like. Honestly, that was my biggest thing when it came to to the COVID uh, thing. Because like, my gym has been open for literally the entire time that like we got police officers that train there and everything. Like it's, it's not a big deal here in Indy. Um, obviously some restaurants still have you wear a mask and everything, but for the most part, it was like once I got into the gym and I saw how things were going, um, I was like, okay, cool. I'll be able to put, to put a whole um, training cycle together and we'll just be able to show up. My, my only thing was with Delaware being um, more of a, a COVID, uh, I don't know how I should say this, but They're very big on masks. Like people are wearing masks anywhere. COVID
0: conscious. We'll go with COVID conscious. conscious. Yeah.
1: So Very politely putting it. Yeah. And uh, I heard some stuff about their governor and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, maybe he shuts it down. Maybe he does. And I was like, but I'm still going to give it my all and just plan to compete. If I don't, I may just show up at the gym on that Saturday and and go through the whole competition myself just for the hell of it. Because it's like, I put 15 weeks in. Why not see what, what I can do when I put it all together?
0: Now, what about confidence? how do you get yourself in the right mindset to be confident throughout this entire training and execution of, you know, the event?
1: Well, c- coming off of a a, sec- a close second place finish um, in December, I knew that I was able to hang with some of the best in my class. Um, and also when you're, they, they give you the competition list for like the events and stuff about four months out. So I was able to see what events, And I was like, okay, I've already done this weight. I've already hit this before. Like I've hit three out of the five events that we had previously in previous training cycles. And I actually did the 700 pound yoke back in 2019. Um, so I, I did that two years ago. So I knew I was going to be fine with that. And now I just had to be fast. And so I was just, it was more so for me, fine tuning things, um, and then focusing on what my big weaknesses were. Um, but I mean, once I saw my weaknesses, really start to develop and and strengthen, then I was like, okay, this isn't going to be a problem. Like my my circus dumbbell press, which is like the big dumbbell that you put up on your shoulder prior to training. My, my best was 145 pounds. And I peaked it over the course of 13 weeks in training. I went from 145 to 205 pounds. So I added 60 pounds to it in 12 weeks. And our competition weight was 150 for reps. So I was like, okay, I've done this in training for four, four to five reps. I can do the same thing in competition and that should get me. First place in that event.
0: Now, the way you break down your training cycle to prepare for the event, do you do that the same with your mind? Do you not let yourself get really hyped up until you're like, "All right, I can feel it a little bit, a little bit," and then right before the event, you you go, "All right, we're all in," or do you calm yourself down?
1: So, I'm really big on calming myself down in between the events, and it's actually um, there's there's science behind it and and knowing how to ride the roller coaster throughout the day because I mean once once you're done competing like for, with that first event, you've got to get yourself calm again, because if not, you're going to dump all of your energy just into being hype and and seeing everybody else compete and stuff like that. So literally, as soon as I get done, I, w- I would just go sit down, put my headphones in and just relax, sip on some water pus- or drink some honey and just get ready for the next event. Wait for them to tell us that we were up. Um, a lot of people get too hyped up when it comes to actually competing they're like okay i'm going 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 all day and then they get done but with a third event and they don't have shit left for the last two and that's how they end up losing so being able to really control that momentum um over the course of the day and i mean it's a this was actually one of the best competitions that we've ever that i've ever been a part of when it comes to like actually them running the event because we only competed for like a total of three hours most of them are like six to eight hours So if you're not able to channel that energy and unleash it during the first event, then calm down Then go balls to the wall. Second event, calm down. Third, that that's what carries people to the end where they're able to, uh, get the work done in the last event, especially if it's like a, a really tight race, which for me, it was like a four point decision, which means I had to place higher than five or five or six other people, which ended up not being too bad. Um, and that was for me to actually tie for second. So it was like, okay, I've put myself in the, in the good spot going into the last event. Now, all I got to do is just show up and do what I do.
0: Now, it seems like a lot of that comes from experience, though. You know, you, you've been in that situation. You understand how to ride the high, then, then relax during the low. What would your advice be for someone that's going into the ring for the first time? Like I said, it's maybe they're going to a strongman, and they, they get there for the very first time, and there's insecurities like, oh, shit, these guys are big. Or someone's going to sing, and they're like, man, all these other people are really good singers. What is your advice for them to tap back into that confidence they had during the training, but maybe they lose it the day of because they're just intimidated and nervous?
1: So I actually like to practice that during my training. So leading up to the event, I mean, once I get to where I'm between six and eight weeks out, um, I'll really focus on, okay, I get done with my log press and training. Now I calm down. Then I go into my next exercise where I'm not riding that, like I said, that roller coaster where I'm just continuously climbing all day. I practice that in training because you practice how you play or you play how you practice, however that goes. Um, so to be able to get myself calm, obviously breathing's a big part of it. Like I, as soon as I get done, I don't go pay any attention to anybody else. I, don't, I could give a shit less what the guy who's in second place, who's right behind me, how he's doing. I just know that I'm going to show up and I'm going to do my best. And if at the end of the day I do my absolute best and that only gets me second or third, then some days you just, you can only do what you do, especially if you have a flawless competition. If I show up, I'm flawless and everything went perfect for me and it still wasn't enough to win. That's okay. It's back to the drawing board, not I want the next one. So I think that for people, and like my brother plays violin. So he's really big on this too, um, is being able to put all of the pieces together. So like in training, I never did an entire competition day when he plays the violin, he never plays an entire song or very rarely does he play an entire song altogether. He focuses on certain parts certain parts, certain parts, then he may try them once or twice where he plays the entire song. And then he goes and does it. And then, I mean, that's just how he shows up because he's able to focus on the small pieces of it. Where if you focus on the big thing, you miss a lot of the small things in between, which cause you to fuck up and you end up losing or not placing as high as you wanted to. Whereas if you, I mean, if you want to call it compartmentalize it, okay, I got to get good at this, get good at this, get good at this, give it a trial run and then show up and go get it. I
0: think that's great advice. You know, and and I think that also speaks to the enormity. You know, when you can break down the dinosaur just to one bite, all right, you don't have to go out and sing better than all these people. You've got to go out and just sing well right now, just for you. Just do your thing. You know, you don't have to go and win the competition. You have to go and lift that weight one time, multiple times over, you know, and I, maybe breaking that down will help others with confidence. But you, you spoke about breaking all this down and then delivering it. And that sort of is a great uh, way to segue to this next part of the the podcast. We broke a lot of parts down. Now, can you give a snapshot, like a quick highlight reel of you showed up? They, 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 I don't even know what they do. Do they blow a whistle or do they shoot a gun? You no, know, they, they kick the damn thing off. What was it like for you? What was your headspace from all right, here's the first lift I did XYZ, second lift I did blah, blah, blah. Give us a quick rundown of the entire competition and sort of you blasting through it and how you felt and what was going on in your head through each of the events.
1: So, when they do strongman, um, they like to the order that you register is typically the order that you go for the first event. So whoever's the first person to register, they typically go last. It's like one of the benefits of being the first people to sign up. So I was mid pack um, for the first event. And then after that, they typically um, have you go in the order of your standing. So if you're in first place, you'll go last and they just continue that throughout the entire thing. So um, being mid pack for the first event, you don't know. What, I mean, you, you can see what the people in front of you are doing, but you have no clue what anybody behind you is going to be able to do. So you really have to just let it go all out. Um, so that's what I did. It was a 230 pound axle press, 230 pound log press and then 150 pound um, circus dumbbell press for reps. And it was just as many as you could do in a minute. So they start the timer. Um, you run through your axle, your log, and then with however much time left, you just go through and hit as many. Um, reps on the dumbbell as possible so I just went all out I used all my time I ended up getting I think four reps which won me the event and put me in good place for the rest of the events um, leading forward so I was able to sit back and that's that's honestly one of the benefits of winning the first event because now I'm able to sit back and watch everybody else does that way if let's just say there's a guy that deadlifts 800 pounds and I know that I can't get 800 pounds but I can get 600 and that's good enough to get me second I don't need to go try 700 because I'm just wasting energy on it. So a lot of strong And when it comes to like winning events is a lot of it's just strategy based based on how everybody else is doing. And then knowing where to put your focus at. So it's like the yoke run. I knew I was going to be top two. It was either gonna be me or Tanner. And I ended up beating him by like 0.12 seconds or something like that. Like it was literally the difference in a step. Um, that's so incredible. Do, it's
0: yeah. insane. It's, you know, when you think of the Olympics, like literally a step is what divides first from second, third, you know, whatever, that's just incredible. But it also shows like you gave everything to include that lat the, to the literal step. You gave it all.
1: Yeah. And so going into the second event, the second event was actually the yoke. Um, so it was a little bit different too. I'm used to training on a flat ground. We were training outside on just like a slight incline. So and in, in we were right next to the street where there's cars at. we were out in the parking lot and so i'm just doing that yoke and i was like okay i know i gotta get first here if i can get first here um i'll set myself in a pretty good spot throughout the rest of the day um so obviously just showed up on the yoke i saw some other people go before me knew the time that i had to beat, which was like 24 seconds i ended up getting like 22.7 so i set myself in a good spot tanner got 22.8 or whatever that ended up being um so after that event i was sitting pretty good um But like I said, obviously, throughout the course of the strongman event, your body just starts to get beat down. So the first one's my overhead press. So my back and my shoulders are getting tired. Now I've got to do the yoke. So now my legs and my upper back's getting toasted. Well, the next event is the deadlift. The deadlift's all your upper back and all of your your glutes and your hamstrings. So now I'm pretty fried from overhead press and doing that yoke. I mean, it was 700 pounds and I weighed in at 212. So it's over three and a half times my birth three and a half times my body weight that I'm literally running down, dropping and picking it up and running it back with. Now I've got to be able to get a respectable number on the deadlift. Well, the guy who got second, I was talking to him um, in between events. And he's like, yeah, I'm probably going to pull 700 to 750 if I need to. Um, I was like, well, shit, I'm not pulling that. So I'm sitting in the lead right now. Um, I know that he he can pull 700. I, pull, I deadlifted 600, went for 650 and missed it. Um, just for like an insurance thing, um, wasn't able to get that. But after the deadlift, I was still in first place by a point. Um, and so I was like, okay, like I'm still sitting pretty good. I just got to show up on these last two events. Um, and, and I knew that from there, uh, if I, if I could do better than him on the Hercules hold that I, I knew that I was going to win the show because everybody else was like three or four points behind him, which means I was sitting. In a pretty was good the, spot.
0: was the Hercules pulled the final, was that the final event?
1: No, so the Hercules pole was the fourth event. Um, and it was the thing with those is they're all different. So yep. a lot of it is going to depend on the actual angle that the weights are sitting. So if they're sitting like this, and the closer that they are to the ground and closer to being parallel, the heavier they are. Well, I've got some pretty long arms, which is a disadvantage for me because it stretches out and the weight gets closer to the ground. Yep. Well, I was able to sit down and kind of pull it up higher. And they have rolling handles. So I don't know if if a lot of people that are listening to this know the difference between rolling handles and static handles. Rolling handles are like a lot of the cable extensions that you use where you can just spin your hand on like tricep machine and stuff like that. Well, the ones that I had trained on were static handles where like they didn't move. So going into this, I was like, okay, well, I knew that I was going to have to hook grip it. Because, I mean, having 315 pounds in each hand, it literally rolls straight to your fingertips. And then you're just holding on as long as you can. So I was able to hook grip it and I ended up getting... I think second in that event, but the guy who was behind me got like six or seventh. So okay. now I'm up even higher in points. I'm sitting in a good spot uh, of that. So that puts us through four events um, going into the fifth when I was, I was ahead by I think five points. So there was 11 people, 11 or 12 people I was competing against Watched the first six or seven go. I was like, okay, I've literally got to do the first two kegs. So it was a 250, 275 pound and a 300 pound keg pick it up. You run it down 40 feet, jog back, grab the other one. And it was just however fast, um, you were able to get the event done. I got the first two done. I literally, I was the last actual person to go for the entire day. So I have the entire crowd cheering.
0: Everybody's watching you.
1: Yeah, (laughs) That's awesome. Everybody everybody was watching. And so they're all cheering for me. And I mean, my body, like the, the keg carries and anything that you have to do where you're carrying it out in front of you, absolutely just trashes your hips. I mean, I was cramping. My hamstrings were cramping. And if, if people go back and watch the video, um, you can just see, like, I, I start to drop it, and then I picked it back up, and I just start, like, waddling with it because I'm just trying to get every foot that I can because I don't know if it's going to be far enough or, or what that looks like um, and in terms of time. I don't know how they're going to run the split times on it. So I was just like, I got to get as far as I can, and I literally went till the time ran out and dropped it. Um, but then at that point, I knew that unless – Unless one of the other people got like a crazy good result, which I think only like three people out of 12 finished the actual event. And I was like 10 feet away from it. I knew that I was going to be sitting good.
0: That's awesome. You know, especially having everybody there watching you, you know, everybody cheering you on like you're the last dude. So they got nowhere else to go. So this is it. You know, that's the energy from that. I'm sure is motivating as hell.
1: Absolutely. Have, have, just having everybody stand there and knowing that all eyes are on you. Like nobody else is competing right now you're literally the only person left going um, is uh, it it just makes you not want to fail. It's like playing in an arena full of 10,000 people and you get the last shot in basketball and it's like, okay, here it goes. And you don't want to be the the one to miss it. And you, you feel all that pressure. And that's, I mean, that's really what I felt even though I knew that I was going to win. It was like, okay, I just want to try to finish this thing. But at that point, at that point in the day, I was just so beat from it. I was like, I just got to get as far as I can now.
0: No, well, that's awesome. There's a lot of honor to that, you know, literally leaving it all in the tank. Even if you knew you had it, you still paid respect to the sport, which is, it's fucking awesome. I'd expect nothing less. So let's go to the final, you know, section of this, which is the events over. He carried that log or the keg rather, you know, then did you go in a collapse in the chair and just wait for your announcements? Or how does, once they wrap it up and the judges get together and they're, they're doing their scores, whatever, where were you? What was your headspace? Who was around you?
1: So as soon as that, event was over i like walked off to the side i took my shoes off took my shirt off took my elbow and wrist wraps off and i just kind of walked around because i knew that if i sat down i was going to tighten up and cramp so i was like i just got to keep blood flowing just keep blood flowing and they're pretty good once the last event's over with getting the scores calculated and everything getting rewards like i think i had to wait like 10 minutes to get my rewards so i just went back started drinking some water so i wouldn't cramp um was walking around talking to some of the guys and they were like, dude, they're like, you put on just a hell of a show today. And I was even talking to the owner. He's like, he goes, that's honestly one of the best performances that I've seen from somebody in your weight class um, in quite a few years. So it felt really good to just be able to talk to those guys and, and hear that in between, obviously, finishing that last event um, and getting the score. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it was just, OK, hang out don't get too tight because I knew that I was gonna have to go to dinner and stuff that night. last thing I want to do is be (laughs) on the side of the road.
0: It's funny Uh, where our brains go. Like, man, I can't go to dinner and get stuck at a table.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it was, uh, just getting away. Like after I finished that event, getting away and just walking around, um, and realizing like, Hey, like I I just showed up and I did the damn thing. Um, and knowing that 15 weeks of work didn't go to waste. So when
0: they called your name, you know, as winning it, you go up, you get your trophy. I I know you can't adequately capture the emotion that goes into that, the thought, you know, and you sort of alluded to it, you know, you're like, yeah, this is what I expected. Like I came here to win. I didn't come here to lose. So it it's almost like it wasn't a surprise. You know, you weren't the dark horse going into it. You're a strong motherfucker who's proven through multiple events prior, you have what it takes, but still going to there and to get it, it still has to mean something. It still has to show something in Maybe what it shows is, or at least from my angle, looking at you, the, the hunger that's still there. So can you speak to that of you got this and it you're not getting full off these things. You're still hungry. You're still pushing for more. You know, you're still chasing that, that next level. When you got the trophy, you have this, it's all settled in. What is the next level for you? What are you taking this and why are you still hungry for that next thing, the next event?
1: For, for me leading up to like the follow-up of the event and everything, um, I knew that this was kind of like a, a midpoint check for me. So I had my national qualifier in December, um, nationals is in October. So I needed to find an event in like May or June, or I think this was in April, between April and May where I could be like, okay, I just want to gauge my strength, go out and perform, see where I'm at when it comes to all aspects of my cardio, of just all the different things that it takes from you your grip strength just your endurance um and your overall strength uh so i did that and that's really what i did this event for um that way i could gauge the next four to six months of what my training was going to look like where i knew okay if, if when i go out and compete if i can feel something breaking down um in my mind i'm like okay when i get back i need to make this stronger i go back and i look at all my videos when i get done i'm like okay here's where i failed here here's where i failed here Here's what I need to strengthen for the October show, um, and so for me, it's like it's having short-term memory, both for the good and the bad things. It's like, okay, I could have done this if I would have fixed this better. I could have done this if I would have fixed this better. But at the same time, I won, soaking the the victory. But like the next day, it's like, okay, I won. Like that's that's it. Like there's no there's no need for me to sit here and be like, hey, I'm still Delaware's Strongest Man. Like I expected. <laughs> like you said, I expected to show up and and win it. Um, but it's like, that's just, that's just one stepping stone on, on where I'm trying to get. And so being able to really channel that. And, and now that I'm back into training now, and I'm, I'm engaging myself for where, where I'm heading next. And I may even do another competition in July or August, just to give myself a little bit more of a, an idea of where I'm at and then do the, the show in October. So, um, so what's having,
0: the, what's the show in October? Cause it seems like that's the pinnacle. Like that's what you're, you're looking at. What, what is yeah. that show?
1: So that's nationals. Um, so if I win. Or I think if I get top two at uh, in my weight class, now I'll I'll have my strongman pro card for for middleweights. So that's been my biggest goal, and I mean that's literally going to be my goal until I get it. Um, Even if it doesn't happen this year, maybe next year. Um, And just continuing to push for that. But also from nationals, you get invites to the Arnold Classic, which is obviously it's a huge event um, in Ohio. So being able to be there and compete with literally some of the strongest people in the world even though they're double my size and just be in that, that atmosphere. Um, It's just, it's, it's always been really cool to me. Um, I've never been to the actual Arnold classic. Like I have no interest in going to an expo and and watching people do this. Like my whole thing was like, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be competing. So nationals is a, is even more of a stepping stone into obviously the Arnold classic and then the other pro shows that they have out there. So
0: that's awesome, man. You know, it's it's cool to see it. And you know what's great about this is this podcast is just a a milestone marker. We had our first podcast and it was it was talking about this, but this hadn't happened. And now this has happened. You crushed it. All right. Maybe the next one we're talking in August, you crush it again. Maybe the next one's like, "Hey dude, you're leading up to or you just finished crushing it at Nationals." You know, it's it's cool to see this journey playing out. And one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is because of that like people could hear you before you did the thing. And now that you did the thing, you know there's no excuse for anyone to continue sitting and watching others win. You, know, you, you did it, you've laid out the formula. Here's my plan, here's my program, here's my mindset. Here's what I did while I was there. Here's how I mapped it out. Here's how I broke it down to bite-sized chunks. That's something that many are missing. And I, I really think this podcast is gonna be beneficial to them in the sense that it was lived. <laughs> you don't have to be a, a strong man to learn from a strong man. Now, it's super cool that we can say you are, you know, Delaware's strongest, man. That, that's fucking an awesome mark for me to be like, dude, I'm talking to the guy who won it. You know, that's that's cool on the outside. But for you to still have that fire and passion, dude, that's that's greater than any title. You know, that's you, you can't make that up like that just exists in somebody or it doesn't. The fire's there there. It isn't. And it's great to see it inside you and great to see what you're doing with it.
1: Yeah, I've really just channeled it. I mean, I've been competitive since I was little. I started playing soccer when I was three. So it's like I've always had that competitive side to me where it's like I just hate losing. And so when I didn't get first place back in December, I was like, okay, well, I'm going all in for this one and I'm going to win. And then I'm going to show up to nationals. Who knows how nationals is going to go? There's guys that are double my strength at nationals. But like I said, and this is one of the things that I love about strongman compared to other sports like powerlifting and bodybuilding and stuff like that is – when you go into powerlifting, if you deadlift 200 pounds more than me, you're going to beat me. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing that literally anybody can do about it, especially if your opener is like 100 pounds more than mine. Like, and, and there's just no change that I can physically make to that. But in strongman, if we're pretty good at deadlifting or we're both pretty good at yoke runs and you take the wrong step one way and you fall, I mean, you could have somebody who is projected to get sixth or seventh get first because you don't have to win every event. I, I could win an event. You could literally win at a strongman competition by placing second or third in almost every event. And actually, the guy who won America's Strongest Man back in 2019, he did that. He didn't win a single event. He got second on, I think, three or four events and third on one and still placed first overall because everybody else has their strengths and weaknesses. So if I can just consistently place higher than most everybody else, where they may be at the bottom of the pack on one event, higher end of the pack on another event, it's like there, there's, not, there's not much that they can do. And it sets you in a really good spot um, to be able to, to just show up. And, and that's really what I love about strongman. It's like you can be strong in the gym. You can be strong when you perform. They're not the same. Like being able to put all of the pieces of the puzzle together – on competition day and have a flawless show or a near flawless show to get you first place is much harder than maxing out in the gym or, or whatever you want to call it.
0: No, that's awesome. Especially the well rounded nature of it is you can't be really good at one thing. You know, we focus on that a lot, especially with my angle on you got to be a good dad. But what does that mean? Well, you got to be a good husband. Well, you got to be a good man. Well, what does that mean? Mind, body, spirit. I mean, when you're good at all of the things, then you can be good at the other things. Then the other things you keep working your way up with the other titles it's not being good at one thing. And with strongman, the way you're saying that is it immediately made me think of that is like, look, yeah. you it's cool that you have a huge deadlift, but what can you press? What can you carry? What can you bench? You know, it's, you can't just be good at one thing. Cause you're not just one thing. It's strong man, all aspects of being a man, the things you can do, the things you can throw, the things you can carry all of it.
1: And that's one of the, that's honestly one of the reasons that I am where I am right now is because static strength wise. So like my overhead pressing, my deadlift and stuff, I'm a little bit behind. I'm probably five to 10% behind everybody else. But when it comes to the carrying events, like farmers' carries and yoke carries, I've, I have yet to use, lose a carrying event in three years that I've been doing strongman. Like a lot of it is just carryover from being a football player and being a wrestler where I'm able to use my hips and I'm very mobile and I'm not fast. But when it comes to moving heavier weight that I can't even deadlift, somehow I can pick it up and run with it, or weights that I can't even squat, I can put it on my back and run with it. Whereas some people are just statically strong and they may be good at the deadlift and they may be good at a pressing event. That's only two out of the five. If I show up and win the other three, I'm probably going to beat you. And I could have the worst deadlift out of everybody.
0: So what would your advice be to those who are listening to this and they want to take on a competitive endeavor? Maybe they know they have a natural talent at something similar to you being able to carry things. You might not be able to pick it up as much as everybody else, but you can carry it better than everybody. Maybe they know they're better than people at something. What would your advice be to help them get over that hurdle from being like the secret king or the secret, you know, beast and, and champion to putting themselves in the arena to be judged by others?
1: My biggest thing is you just have to throw yourself out there. Like I, if you would have told me five years ago that I was going to be, be competing in strongman, I'd have been like, what is that? <laughs> is that the guys that are on TV on ESPN? Like all the 400 pound guys, like, there's, there's no way. There's no way that I would even think that I'd be in like a, a, a national top 10 to 20 spot let alone competing for like a top five or ten spot or my pro card. And so my biggest thing is just throw yourself in the fire. Like it literally came to me one training day. The other guys were doing strongman. I was doing powerlifting. And they're like, hey, come on in and do this with us. I was like, okay. It's like I have no clue what I'm doing. And that's the thing. Even in stuff that you have no idea what you're doing. The only way that you're going to figure out is to make an attempt. And so just being like, okay, like I I had nothing to lose by getting into strongman. I knew that I was still going to be weight training. I was still going to be a coach and a trainer. Like it's literally my lifestyle. So why not try something else? I've done bodybuilding show. I've done a powerlifting meet. This is just the third thing on the list. And this just happens to be the one that I'm better at. So I'm just going to take it and run with it. And I feel like that's what it is for everybody else. Like my brother was a swimmer in high school. And then all of a sudden he started playing the violin and now he's got a full ride scholarship for the violin. And if I would have told him when he was 10 years old that he was going to play the violin, he'd be like, hell no. <laughs> but now he's going to, he's going to school. He's going to a private school for free.
0: That's awesome. It's incredible. You know what people can do if they just decide to do. You know, and I I can't, you know, support that enough. Put yourself out there, just just figure it out. Just wing it. Just try. You know, the worst thing that happens is you lose, but you learn and you'll have so much more pride in knowing where you stand than always wondering what if. The last thing I want anybody to do is to go to their grave saying, Oh, what if I had tried? What if I actually like just put a little effort into it and allowed myself to be judged by others? You know, it's just it could open so many doors, but at least closes that door. What if you'll you'll have an answer. So, Jeremy, to wrap this up, you have the book, you offer coaching, you're running all these social media, you know, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you if they're looking for training, fitness, nutrition advice, or if they're considering entering straw man themselves?
1: So right now, my biggest um, social media that I'm on is Twitter. I've just really started to figure out how to navigate Twitter um, to where I'm growing my following and I'm able to pull clients off of there left and right, really. Um, So just follow me on Twitter. I'm sure that you'll link it um, in the, in the bio, but, um, Twitter, Instagram, it's all the same It's big underscore germ 200. And from there, you can just shoot me a DM. Uh, my email is trainwithgerm with germ at gmail.com. And if you have any, literally shoot me a, qu- a question, be like, Hey, I, I was really looking to get into strongman, or I was looking to get, get into some of your coaching or my ebook that I have as well. Um, and then from there, I can just steer you in the right direction. We can hop on a call, see where they need to go. Um, and then I'll just place you with, uh, with what I think properly fits your goals and what what you need.
0: I will have links to all that below to include the book. Jeremy, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. I know you've got some relaxation to get in there to, to rest those muscles before you jump back into the gym for the next one. So just, I appreciate you coming on the show. And again, congratulations. It's awesome, man.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on again too.
0: Yes, sir. For everybody that tuned in, this is another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Take care.
1: Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's-only community at the fraternity of And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Zach small underscore.